Welcome to Evergreen History. I'm Jackie. Well, the winter weather has been crazy lately, and with tons of snow in western Washington, even as March approaches, it reminded me of Pilchuck Julia. Pilchuck Julia was a Snohomish region American Indian who was born around 1841, although Uh, No one knows the exact date. She was recognized for her ability to predict weather, as well as her friendly interactions with settlers. Her lifetime coincided with many changes in the Indian way of life, as scores of white settlers came to the Snohomish County region for mining, logging, homesteading, and other opportunities for a livelihood. As more settlers came, many Indians were pushed to reservations and their population declined due to factors including disease. According to the Tulalip Tribe website, Pilchuck Julia, along with her husband, who was known as Pilchuck Jack, were the last of the Pilchuck tribe. The Pilchuck people lived along the Pilchuck River, which starts from the Cascade Mountains and flows west by the town of Granite Falls and south, eventually joining with the Snohomish River. According to the Native American place names of the United States, the name Pilchuck originates from Chinook jargon, a kind of trade language that grew from settlers and various Indian groups needing to communicate. Pil was from the lower Chinook word pilpil, meaning blood or red. Chuck, or at least a very similar sounding word, meant river or water in Lower Chinook as well as Nitka. The so-called Red River is iron-rich and could be seen as having a reddish tint in certain areas. Although uh, sources say that the small tribe was not actively in conflict with settlers, disease tragically killed many. Julia was born in the times before statehood when there was joint British occupancy. She saw the region become part of Oregon Territory, then Washington Territory, and then statehood when she herself became a resident in 1889. There is speculation that she witnessed the signing of the 1855 Elliott Point Treaty. This treaty is most well known for being signed by Chief Seattle, though it affected numerous tribes in the Puget Sound region. Chief Patkanam signed for the Snohomish and Allied tribe, giving up their land in exchange for the small Tulalip reservation and money from the federal government. It was signed by Indian groups, partly because of desperation and force, and partly because it was conducted in Chinook jargon, and many of them might not have quite understood the exact terms. Although many Indians from Snohomish County moved onto the Tulalip Reservation as a result of the treaty, Julia was able to remain close to her home near the town of Snohomish with her husband Jack. She was quoted as saying, I have lived by the river always. She was often called either a princess or queen of the Pilchuck. She was able to support her family in traditional ways by weaving baskets, gathering berries and clams, and fishing salmon. She would take goods into town to sell. Her skill that made her most famous was her weather forecasting. Her forecasts were published in a paper called the Snohomish Advance under a column called Pilchuck Julia Says. Her words were relayed to other papers and publishments as well. The winter of 1916 was a big year for Julia's predictions. An article shared her reports in the fall of 1915.
Julia has seen the warning signs wherever she looks for them and is spreading the prophecy of big heap snow for this winter. Businesses were quick to piggyback onto those predictions in advertising. The Pacific Coal Company printed, Don't wait for the big snow, get your bins and other containers filled, even the refrigerator if necessary, and the piano, with diamond briquettes. And it so happened that that winter did see a great amount of snowfall all over the Sound area. In February, the dome of the St. James Cathedral in Seattle even caved in under heavy tons of snow. The following winter, which spanned from 1916 to 1917, she said there would be snow two squaw deep. However, when it ended up not being quite as hard of winter as last year's, she defended herself by stating she never said where the snow was going to fall, and she was referring to the mountains. While there isn't a ton of information about Pilchuck Julia's early life, in her later years she was interviewed by Lucius Grant Folsom in 1913. The article, titled An Hour with a Queen, offered some reflections of her life. By the time of the interview, Jack had already passed away. The couple had at least one son, Peter Jack, and he died as a young adult after falling from the railroad bridge across the Snohomish River in 1911. His death left a widow, whose name was Hattie, and Julia's five grandchildren, who shared a living space in Julia's cabin. Her grandchildren, including Oscar Jack, helped out by catching salmon, but they were also learning more modern ways of living. They were learning to read and write, as well as agricultural techniques, not traditionally used by Western Washington tribes. In the interview, she described how generations were changing. Young Indian make bows of yew and serpent skins, spears with points of flint and bone, arrows that go straight like white man's bullet, shoot elk and deer, catch fish and eat all time when hungry, scalp enemy when he find him. Young Indian make corn and wheat and alfalfa and cattle. He take him to town in big wagon and let white man scalp him. Julia was proud of her heritage, yet she also adjusted well to the changing times. She spoke about learning the Lord's Prayer from a missionary and shared that she would buy presents for Christmas. The 1920 census has her legal name as Julia Jack and stated that she could not read or write. Her grandchildren were listed from oldest to youngest as Ira, Anna, Peter, Harold, and Elmer, which conflicts with the interview with no mention of an Oscar, so it was possible that there were nicknames? Elmer, who was a year old at the time, doesn't bear the last name Jack, but instead has Hattie's maiden name of Barris. In addition to her daughter-in-law and grandchildren, Daniel Sakalis, a fisherman who was a year older than Julia, was listed as a friend who lived in the house. Julia's weather predicting had her described as being a prophet. I don't think that was a necessarily fair term. Although it may have appeared prophetic, Julia was a native of Snohomish County with knowledge of the region that would have been passed down for generations. She did have a methodology for her predictions, including observing insects. Her obituary gave a poetic rendering of her methods. She has read the story told by the winds in their courses, the stars in the heavens, by the activities of her animal friends, and by all the myriad signs of nature. From these, she has mixed her weather forecasts. 
Julia died on April 24, 1923 of smallpox. A Seattle Times article suggested that both Julia and Jack were offered vaccines by the government but refused them. The following is from her obituary. Winters will come and go. Big snow will pile on big snow. Spring freshets will come out with the Chinooks. Balmy days will follow the April showers. But in the firebound foothills of the Cascades, the land of the proud Snohomish, the seasons will pass unnoticed for Pilchuck Julia, venerable weather prophet, has gone to the happy hunting grounds of her forefathers. Great wisdom that has come from her mighty father. This was the chief authority of the aged Indian seeress who has watched the changing seasons for fourscore years and more, and whose word has been the law to the trusting members of her tribe. She was buried in the old Indian cemetery, but was later moved due to the construction of Stevens Pass Highway in 1947. Her and her husband share a memorial at the Grand Army of the Republic Cemetery in the city of Snohomish. Were Julia and Jack the last of the Pilchuck tribe? A photo circa 1910 is captioned in the book Early Snohomish as showing the last four members of the Pilchuck tribe. From right to left are Pilchuck, Jack, and Julia, plus their daughter-in-law Hattie Jack and their son Peter Jack. As we found in the census from 1920, Hattie and Peter also had children. When people are referring to them as being the last of the Pilchuck, they're mostly referring to those born in pre-treaty times and way of life and as physically living near the Pilchuck area. But people descended from Jack and Julia still live on, whether they may identify with a different tribe or be unaffiliated. For example, an obituary of enrolled Muckleshoot tribe member Gilbert Buddy Jake, who passed away on January 15, 2015, was the couple's great-grandson. So, Julia and Jack do have ancestors who are at least in part carrying on traditions of Northwest Indians. Thank you for listening to another episode of Evergreen History. You can email us at evergreenhistorypodcast at gmail.com 